Welcome to episode number three of Church Technology. And I've actually been on vacation for about the last two weeks, which is why we haven't had a show in the last week. So um, while I was gone, I was you know, thinking about where what I want to talk about. And um, I got some emails from people with some questions already. And uh, they are actually good questions. And I'm going to do something a little special, a little different tonight. Uh, kind of like a replay of another show. But uh, before we get there, I want to bring up a few things. First of all, we wanted to know what is the best day and time for you to watch the Church Technology Show. So what we want you to do is send an email to churchtechnology at tech-zen.tv, letting us know if you could watch live, what is the best day and the best time for you to come watch live? We want to start trying to build a live community. And if we have to move the show to a different day and time, we'll do that. And we'll do the best that we can, at least. Uh, and if we can get a, a common consensus of when some people are available, we will try to maybe adjust our schedule a little bit so that some people can come in and join us live. So uh, I, that's the first thing. So definitely send us an email. First of all, we love feedback. So if you want to send us an email anytime, you definitely uh, just drop us a note. We'd love to have uh, some feedback. So uh, the next thing is... We have set up a Google Plus community that uh, you can go out and join and you can communicate with other viewers of this show. Actually, you can communicate with other shows as well. All of our shows are in this community and you can go out and communicate with other viewers. So what we've done a lot and this is coming from our Let's Make It show is we have uh, a pretty interactive crowd that communicates for the most part via email uh, to us. But the disadvantage to us answering an email is the only person that benefits is the person asking the question where if you can go ask it in a community uh, type environment, it can uh, help other people uh, maybe with the same problem that you're having. So we have created that community. So that's the first thing. Uh, we also have a Facebook fan page. It's at facebook.com slash techzentv. Uh, go there and hit the like if you have a Facebook account. Um, but we do not do the interactive stuff over there. That's more of uh, new show announcements and things like that uh, on the fan page. And any kind of interaction uh, as far as the group goes would be on the uh, Google Plus group page and you do have to have a gmail account and gmail accounts are free so it takes a couple seconds to get one uh so you, if you don't have a gmail account you need to go uh create one but uh if you're on facebook go to facebook.com slash techzentv hit the like button we're trying to get our likes up a little bit there uh as well and if you are watching uh on youtube it's youtube.com slash techzentv all of our shows now are at that address and they are in playlist format so you can play any show from uh, beginning to end or whatever you can see all the different episodes or you can see every video that comes out of the Texan TV network and uh, Lastly you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Texan TV or the church technology uh, address as well Okay, so the other thing that you're going to notice, I don't know if it's this week or next week, uh, when this show is going to start doing it, but in the very beginning of the every show, you see this new, um, almost like a billboard, 
I guess you call it a billboard, uh, for Alexa.tv. And people have been asking, what is it? Is Texan TV going away? Uh, Texan TV is not going away. In fact, we are planning on growing even bigger. However, we have some shows that are not technology shows, which do not make sense on Texan TV. We did have one show we tried to do in Texan TV, and it didn't work out very well. And we don't know if it's because uh, it wasn't the good a good subject or... If it was because it's on Texan TV, people don't come to Texan TV look for non-technology shows. So we have a number of shows. I think we have like seven in the queue we're going to bring on. And uh, I actually am not on the shows. They are, um, I'll be behind the scenes, probably switching and things like that. But um, they're not like shows that I don't do anything but technology shows for the most part. Uh, at least nothing else interested me. Two of them are sports shows. There's a family, um, marriage and family uh, show that we're going to bring on. So that type of thing is things that that's not my expertise, but I'm going to work with the, uh, the creators of the show and the, ho and the hosts of the show to, uh, produce the show and put it on a network, which is kind of like, if you think of ABC or NBC, they don't make their own shows. They go to some studio and they make the content for them, uh, to put on the network. That's kind of what Alexa TV is. It's kind of like a network, uh, per se, where Texan TV is more of the studio or the creator of the content. So it just, uh, but you'll see it in the very beginning, we're going to start uh, pushing the Elixir TV because there's a lot of things coming out for Elixir. We have a Roku app for Elixir as well, just like we have a Roku app for Texan TV. We have an iPad app, iPhone, and Android app coming out. We're looking at uh, a Google TV app and uh, a few other things like that as well. So before I get into what I'm going to talk about uh, today, I do want to mention something that came out while I was on vacation, the Chromecast. So depending on how your church does video, if ever you have a need to put a screen on some kind of projector or TV, this is a $35 device from Google that from any computer or smartphone, you can put on a TV, uh, either a uh, tab out of Chrome on your web browser, or you can actually download an app and do your whole desktop. So it's a very expensive way. Uh, we, we do it here. We use Apple TV. The problem with Apple TV is it only works with Apple devices, only iPhones, iPads, and Apple computers, which we have a lot of them here. But uh, if I brought somebody in who didn't have one and wanted to do that, I could use this to broadcast into our switcher, and they could just broadcast their screen that way instead of plugging in uh, the computer. The disadvantage of plugging a computer in is it doesn't always get the right format uh, for video, if you do a projector or a, a TV, it typically get the right format. But if you go into some kind of switch, like we use an ATEM, the format needs to be changed. So, uh, but we use Apple TV. It does not do some of the things Apple TV or Roku. There's no menu system on it. You got you got to broadcast to this device. It's not like it uh, has a uh, built-in menu system or anything like that where you can start up. Uh, like Netflix or something like that. But for 35 bucks, it's a great option. Plug in the TV, plug in USB for power, and voila, off the wireless, you have a connection. So I just wanted to bring that up. So if you have a need in your ministry uh, of some kind to get some kind of video from a device to a TV, uh, look at a Chromecast. It just came out, and it, uh, it's pretty cool. All right, so this week can be something a little bit different. Um... While I was on vacation, I was looking through some church technology forums, and there's lots of questions about uh, gates and compressors. And we haven't talked about sound or soundboard yet. Um, we have in our studio a digital board, and it's an X32. It's a Behringer X32, 32-channel digital board. It sings, dances, does all kinds of things that, you know, it's it's a great board. And it's actually a very good board for a typical church. Um, our church, we actually use two of them because we have uh, more than 32. In fact, they're almost full. Uh, 64 channels 
and uh, that's just because we run you know full band and you know we're a fairly large church as well um and got lots of different kinds of media going on things like that so um but not to necessarily talk about the soundboard part yet but people were asking about compression and gates and uh, i did on one of our other shows the new media tech show uh two weeks ago three weeks ago something like that i did a show on what compression and gates are and i even went a little bit into eq uh it was kind of focused towards an internet broadcasting community but it's the same thing is valid and i show you what compression and gates do so um, because I saw some people not quite understanding what they did, I decided that tonight I'm just going to replay that show. So I'm going to kind of cut in the middle and, and kind of cut it off at the end. Uh, and, uh, you can kind of watch what I did in that show and explaining the, what a compression and gates does. And I changed things around so you can see what happens on the microphone, uh, as far as the sound goes and everything like that. And I, I talk about some things that wouldn't probably be affected in a church environment as far as like a microphone proximity to each other, things like that. But, uh, you get a, you know, a general feeling of what a gate in the compressor 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 does. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and play it. I think it's like 24 minutes long, but, uh, I'll come back when that's over and, uh, we'll, finish up. So here we go. What I want to do is we've had this question a lot and I try to answer an email a couple of times and I don't think I'm doing it justice. And that is how, what a gate and compression is, does, how to set it. I've had all kinds of weird questions uh, about different sides or not, not really weird questions. I've had all kinds of questions uh, from different sides of it. Like what do I use it? When do I want to use it? How do I want to set it up? And et cetera, et cetera. So this week, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to show you um, how you can set up compression. So we actually use compression and gates on our soundboard. We run a Behringer X32. The nice thing about the X32 is it has interfaces on Windows, Mac, iPads, um, so you can control it from anything. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen and show you my screen of the X32 as I do compression and you can see what it's doing to the audio. So I think it's a, it's a great way visually to show you what compression does. So before I do that, let me turn off all compression because we do use compression, but I gotta be very careful when I talk now because I can very quickly go and start peaking some audio. So I am now 100% totally uncompressed. Now we do not compress on an individual channel basis. So let me hop over here. And this is the X32 interface on the Mac. It looks exactly the same as it does on the PC. It's, just, it's exactly the same. There's no difference. But um, I have no compression turned on right now. And uh, we use compression, but we use it in the group level. So you see over here on this bottom right, if you can see where my mouse is moving down here, we use this group as our vocal. So all four microphones, including Skype, go through this, this right here. And um, I'm going to turn on compression like that. And you can see it's starting to turn me down. So... Um, if I look at it on the meters in front of me, I see I'm now not peaking, not even in danger of peaking uh, audio-wise. But when I turn this compression off, um, I get very, very close to in the peak range. Um, I'm not actually hitting the peak range, but I'm getting a lot closer to it. So you can hear the difference in my voice. But what I want to do is, I, the reason I turn that off is I want to go to an individual channel, which I'm in this channel. I'm in this channel right here. This is Mike, my channel. And... Um, this is the overall right here. So you see I have the gate right here. And you see when I stop talking, the gate goes down. Just like that. 
and then you have the compression right here. And I'm going to turn this back on again. So now the compression is back on again. And you see it's turning me down. So basically what these two things do is they turn or turn down the audio level on a microphone. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to first go to a gate. I'll turn the compression back off again. And the reason you use a gate is for background noise. So I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to actually play in the background uh, some music. Let me get it up here. And this is going to go through. I'm going to scroll down and randomly pick a track. Let's see, right there. All right. Okay, so you see now the gate opens. So let me turn this down a little bit. And as I talk, you can see that you can hear it in the background. But it is not loud enough to open the gate up. So if you had a fan in the background, for example, or an air conditioner, or a heater, or a computer running with a, running a fan, you would adjust your gate so that it would not turn on just by that noise. Now, you hear the noise in the background, so it's definitely there. Now, you typically have something that noisy. I got it turned up pretty loud. But if I turn it down far enough, you can barely hear it. And if I get quiet, you can't hear it at all. So it just helps cover it up. So my voice is covering up. It's still playing in the background. It's not as loud as I had it a second ago. But you can still hear it kind of playing in the background. So here's how you do a gate. And there's a couple options for a gate. And I'm going to go through here. And I'm, going to, uh, I'm actually going to go to the gate interface, which is right here. And you see I have a couple of options. I have a threshold. And then I have a range. And then I can do some attack and release, release things as well. So the typical way you use to set a, uh, a gate is you adjust the threshold, and the threshold is basically where does the gate turn off, or when does it start turning you off again. So what you'd really want to do is you'd want to not talk, and then you turn the threshold until it actually opened back up again. All right, so there it opened back up, and it's staying open. Well, it's closed, because you hear the music changing it. So I'm going to go up, basically be one notch on most compressors. So that's where you typically would set it. Now, um, I typically go a little bit farther than that. And that's mainly because I tend to tap a little heavy on the keys. So if, if me setting it a little bit higher, I can type without bothering somebody. So that's, that's just me. You, the general way you do it is you would go up one notch past where it turns off. And you can see it's still working fine. Now, like I said, my threshold, I generally set it a little bit higher than that. And it's also how you, it's also a mic technique. So if you're uh, a close proximity mic person, then you can turn it up a little bit higher because you typically have a, a little bit uh, more of a, a volume there. So um, you kind of hear when I spunk, I see like a pause for a second, it gets kind of weird because it cuts the back off. That's because I have my um, release time very fast. I could take this release and now it won't turn off as quickly. Watch myself talking. So it's less likely when I pause to be annoying. So you have to adjust that. Um, you, I like it faster, but I typically have a very quiet room. If you're not in a very quiet room, 
you probably want to be a little faster because it's going to get very annoying to the listener because they're going to keep hearing this on off on off on off and so i'm going to go back down though you see how fast well watch it when i start talking watch how slow it goes down it's basically a thousand fifty one milliseconds so let's go back down to like a 200 which is fast not, not super fast so we can leave, we'll leave it there so next thing is how long do you want it to stay open when it opens up so you see when i stop talking it doesn't go down right away it takes it just a split second actually it takes it exactly 316 milliseconds so we're going to go ahead and decrease this like this and it's very fast now so it could still be a very slow release like let me go bring the release back up again But it starts going down immediately as soon as I'm done talking. So um, you really have to figure out what works best for your sound. I mean, I kind of know where um, I generally am. I keep a lot longer hold like this. So I don't, okay. Let me back this back up a little bit. So I kind of like it like that. Now, I typically, have a, again, I have a very quiet room. Um, you know, the room's in, surrounded in foam. So um, I don't typically have to worry about the background sound and the cutting off and on. So that's why I make it so fast. But it really depends on your environment. The best thing to do is record yourself with all these different settings and figure out which one sounds the best. So when you're recording it, um, you know, basically you read off what you have your different settings to. Now, not all of them have tell you exactly in milliseconds, depending on what kind of compressor you're using a physical, physical compressor. It's just going to be a compressor. Physical compressor, it's just going to be knobs, and you have to adjust it to figure out where it's at. Um, so... Now this particular board has the, also the ability to do based on a particular uh, frequency range. So I could set uh, a gate based on a particular filter, uh, key filter, uh, which would be affected, you know, on a particular frequency range, like a thousand, like a thousand hertz, two thousands, you know, about the middle of your voice, typically, uh, for most people. So um, also the attack is kind of like uh, the opposite of release. So to how fast does it turn off? You see. When I start talking, it goes up pretty quickly. If I increase it, it'll get slower and slower. Uh, you typically want this to be huh, low, real low, because you don't want your words to be cut off you know, when you first start talking. So, All right, so that is uh, a quick look at what a gate does. So now we'll look at compression. And this whole time uh, I've been doing compression, have my compression been turned on or off? Let's go look here real quick. My compression is turned off. So uh, hopefully I didn't clip too much and get my clicking popping noises in there. All right, so let's go look now at the the dynamic, the the comp the uh, compression. So let's go back to the home screen here. The home screen gives you everything that's going on. You see compression is not turned on. I'm going to go ahead and turn it on. So there, compression is turned on. So basically what compression does is it it turns, for the simplest terms, it turns you down based on uh, a certain percentage uh, or ratio over a certain level. Um, it'll start to turn you down. And it, it really does some, it does some, they call it a compressor because what it allows you to do is it allows you to keep the soft things loud, but when things get louder, um, a lot louder, you can start and keep them in proportion to what um, is going out. So you look over here and you see this little thing is going down. This is how far it's turning me down. 
And I'm actually going to go look at the Dynamics page. And because here are those numbers, and it's telling you right here, it's turning me down 6 dB when I'm speaking. So there's a couple of things you have in here. Uh, first of all, you see up here, you have the release, the hold, and the attack. It's like we just exactly like we had uh, in, the, in the gate. They do the, exactly the same thing. But you also have this gain. So what happens with the compressor is it's making you quieter. So sometimes you need to, to get past that and you need to turn yourself back up again. Now I need to be careful here because I do this, it's going to go ahead and start clipping again. But um, you need to adjust. So if somebody's in compression all the time, they're always going to be lower volume than what they are without the compression. Just like if I turn this off, you can see how much louder I get. So I get a lot more energy through. So you may have to come in and turn this up because you're losing a little bit of that energy. Now, you see how far is this negative six compression? That's probably more than what you would normally want to do. I call it tickling the compressor. So you typically want to adjust this threshold so that, I'm going the wrong direction, there we go. So that you're just tickling it. I'd go a little bit more than that. I could typically go between two and four dB uh, down on a, just a regular voice level. All right, let's see. That's still probably a little bit light, but it's not bad. I mean, it's probably, it's probably okay, right there. That's probably perfect. Um, so you have this threshold. This is where it takes, so at 32 dB, when I go over 32 dB, it's going to start turning me down two and a half times for every one time it goes up. So if you look at it from the point of view as a decibel, if I go a decibel over this 32, what's going to happen is it's going to turn me, so I go to 33 decibels, it's going to turn me down two and a half decibels for that. So I basically will be, um, you know, basically a 1.5 times lower than what I would have been without the compression. So, and the more you go over, the more, you know, the more it's going to turn you down. So if I go over by four, it's going to be a two to one ratio. So for every four I go over, uh, we're going to turn it down 1.5. So that would be uh, six decibels down. So just a way of keeping the volume level without, so if I get really loud, like I'm, getting, I'm starting to get really loud right there, and you see it's turning me down, and I'm not clipping and nothing, so it's keeping me at a, a decent volume level. So that's, what's comp that's what compression does. So uh, you have some uh, choices here. A typical ratio uh, for a vocal, I would say, is two and a half to three if you're speaking vocal. Uh, if you're doing somebody that's on a stage that, got, uh, that gets animated a lot, keep it at three because you don't want them coming in and and uh, clipping uh, or getting too loud and hurting people's ears. So this is this is where you can get through and help that. Now, here's some things about compression. Because lower uh, frequencies have more energy, they typically make it through and the higher ones don't. So what you'll notice, so when you turn this off, you get a little more clarity in my voice. And that's, if you overcompress somebody, I'm going to, and I'm going to do this here to show you what happens. I'm going to turn the compression back on again, and I'm going to overcompress me. So now I'm really overcompressed. And I don't know if you can actually even hear me very well, but you see a lot of this clarity in my voice is gone because the highs are just being crushed out. So you've got to be very careful, and that's what happens when you get too much compression. Uh, if you use compression as a safety, and I'm going to show you another way that you use compression. I mentioned this when I first started. I typically do not put compression on any of these microphones down here. What I do is I turn them off the compression here and I go in, I put everybody into a group. And then in that group, let me go to compression and turn it on. Now the audio group itself, everybody in this group is compressed. So I use that more as a safety that we don't clip. 
So we're all coming into the same compressor. So we're all talking, and the louder we get, you know, the more energy you get coming in through different channels, the more energy get, that goes out. And this is how we protect ourselves. And you see, I'm pushing it two to four. Even occasionally, you go up to six. Um, and it's, uh, I said between two and four, and this is one instance where I, I, I go to six because I just like the protection that it's giving me. You also notice that I'm doing a ratio of three to zero, which is why I'm probably going to six because I pretty much had the same thresholds I had on the individual mic over here. It just now I'm doing a little bit, a little bit more of this uh, compression. So uh, I do this in a group. It just makes more sense because if otherwise you have different people talking different volumes, the compressions compete with each other. It just sounds weird. So the best thing to do is take all these and put them into a group over here and do individual um, compression on them. So then to make it the question, why don't you do individual? Why don't you do a gate the same way? Well, you can. However, it doesn't serve the same uh, it doesn't do work exactly the same because if you use the gate only here, you can have somebody open up a microphone and another one having noise next to it and a fan, you're still going to get it. So I do gate individual channels, but I compress it through this group over here. And uh, this is again, the compression is just, it's, I've tried doing the compression individually and it just doesn't work very well, especially because here's what happens when you get people in studio sitting side by side with microphones is, one microphone will open wide open and it's really sent you got to turn up really loud because you want you have compression working you know really a lot on it but now it's overly sensitive to somebody sitting next to it so you get this echo effect between microphones which is also another reason why uh, you do individual gates and that's also the reason why my gate is set so high is that I'm sitting in a room like uh see so I don't have one here to show but you know I had this microphone and if I had a guest sitting here and they were sitting here and the microphones facing this direction if the gate was combined and he opened the gate up, he'd be echoing through this mic. And the other thing is, with the compression on this mic and on this mic, this mic, if he's talking in this one, it's going to start turning him down. This mic's not going to turn him down because he's not loud enough yet. So it's going to seem very loud coming through this one, which causes this weird roomy echo effect. So that's why you don't want to compress individual mics, especially when they're in a studio together. So if I grab one of my mics over here from that our other guests use and sit it here, we would have that problem. And the, the gates, I set them higher so that he isn't triggering this gate. So that's part of the reason. The problem with that is you got to have good mic technique. you got to stay you know, fairly close to the mic because you need the energy to get it opened. And you got to remember that you have to have the energy to get it open because if you don't, you're going to get a lot of uh, weird cuts in and cuts out. If that happens, the only thing you can do is turn the gate back. So the other option you have if you have guests like that is you can spread them out, obviously. Uh, in here, sometimes we have three or four people, so we can't spread out too far. We only got uh, eight feet here pretty much to sit and talk with each, with each other, uh, at least so we are all facing the camera. Unless we put somebody out in the other room at the control station, uh, which works, we do it sometimes, you know, it works this as well. However, uh, it's just easier if you just adjust the gate and the compression. So... Uh, it takes if you if you start to play with compression and you put everybody the different compressor on each person's mic uh, and you start having this weird roomy effect that's what it is don't do that <laughs> in fact it's actually if you're gonna buy a compressor just buy one compressor uh, if your soundboard has an insert or a group out like I was just mentioning put that through the compressor and then bring it back into the board and use that to do all the compression and if you don't have a gate you probably get away without a gate a lot of people get away without a gate um, it just helps clear the noise. And again, if you're sitting in side by side in a room, you want to bring the gate up uh, a little bit more probably than just that first notch. So you want the person next to you triggering your gate to go off. So um, let's see. Let's go back over here. 
and see what else I can cover while I have you here. Um, so I get this question while I'm in here about EQ2. So one of the things you're going to notice is uh, things in here are, this is EQ'd, however it's not turned on. So let me go ahead and turn on the EQ. So now the EQ is on. So you saw the difference in what the EQ did. And what it's doing really is dropping down this uh, 200 low part. And uh, this is probably something we use for a singer. Because sometimes in this part of your voice, especially a female singer, can get this little uh, rumbly sound in this area. So that's probably what we had uh, adjusted. Now let me come and see. It's number one. And let's see. Where are we? As I get rid of this, you'll start seeing my voice come back up. So this is the boomy part of your voice, just like that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to just adjust the frequency. So you can see what each frequency part does. So I mentioned before, this is like the main part of people's voices right in through here, one and two. So you see as I come up here, that's like the body of your voice, most people's voice. And then you get up in this part, this is where the clarity starts to kick in. Well, female voices can be up as high. Um, and then up in here, you start getting the clarity, and then you start getting the whiss sound right there's the whiss part, ironic, okay, and it goes on up from there. And then you on down at the bottom, you get the, the bassy sound. <laughs> I don't even got just my voice for this, and you can see it goes on down from like that. And then below 40, typically, most things don't react below 40. Uh, the human ear can hear it, or it's more of a feel at that point. So, unless you got subs, you're probably not really gonna, gonna notice that very much. But uh, what you'll notice is, um, for speaking mics, we don't use any EQ because uh, we actually have the microphones we like and the color sound. If we didn't, we would be not using these microphones. So, uh, and we have three different kinds of microphones. So we kind of pick what person sounds best or what they like to sound like on each one of them. We don't do any EQ, you know, for our shows. Now, when we do record music in the studio, we use EQ. But uh, more recently, we've actually been recording. Um, off the X32, we can record all 32 channels, uh, Firewire or USB, uh, into a uh, DAW, and we actually do most of the EQ in there. So we pretty much use it flat most of the time. We got this really nice EQ in here, and when we do it in the studio, we pretty much don't even use uh, the EQ. It's pretty much flat for every sort of thing we do. We do have uh, maybe one microphone that we don't like how it sounds. It's really bottom end low, and uh, we do kind of trim that off. But I think that's the only microphone that we have that does that. And uh, we don't use it very often, only when we're short microphones. So we kind of set it aside. So um, I hope that answers the question about EQ. And there's some programs you can download for PC and Mac. I don't know any off the top of my head um, that aren't full DAWs. But there's a couple of them out there that will do some EQ. And uh, it does this visually. So it allows you to play with different options. Uh, so you can kind of learn what the EQ does. But again, we like our microphone sound. So we typically do everything totally flat. And we don't do anything uh, post either. So we don't go in and change anything in post. We pretty much drop it in the audio the way it comes out of the board. And then we record it. And uh, that's pretty much it. So, all right. I think I pretty much covered everything that I wanted to cover. What I want to do is, we've had this question a lot. And I try to answer it in email a couple of times. And I don't think I'm doing it justice. And that is how, what a gate and compression is, does, how to set it. I've had all kinds of weird questions uh, about different sides. Or not, not really weird questions. I've had all kinds of questions uh, from different sides of it. Like, what do I use it? When do I want to use it? How do I want to set it up? And et cetera, et cetera. So this week, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to show you 
um, how you can set up compression. So we actually use compression and gates on our soundboard. We run a Behringer X32. The nice thing about the X32 is it has interfaces on Windows. Okay, so that was a cut of the another show. So it was nice and neat as far as going in and out, but hopefully it gave you a good idea of what a gate and a compressor does. And that was the main goal that I was trying to do uh, based on what I was reading in some forums while this past uh, week and a half or so while I was gone. I was out checking out some uh, church technology forums and uh, just seems to be some question, which is understandable because so many people that run sound at a church aren't don't have a sound background. So um, it's very, it's, in fact, it's more common than not that uh, the church doesn't, most churches don't even use compression and gates. Uh, and I, uh, I just think sometimes if people uh, knew what they did, they could get an inexpensive, like a Behringer uh, four, four by, you know, four by and get uh you know, four gates, which would help with some of the noise, helps with feedback as well because the mics close down, you know, the kinds of things that it does for you. Uh, it helps with a speaker who's very dynamic and somebody's riding the fader. You have somebody you ride the fader for all the time. Uh, you, you know, it's a nice way of getting some control over them. Uh, but you do have to be careful. And I mentioned this in the video there that you have to be very careful because if you over compress somebody, you, you lose dynamics, you lose a lot of the highs. They tend to get a little bit muddy. Uh, the clarity kind of goes away. So you don't want to do too much with them. Uh, I've seen people that basically rely on the, on the compressor to keep somebody at a certain volume. And that's not necessarily, it's better to teach the person mic technique. Uh, now, if they're a speaker, it's a little bit different issue because if they're very, a very excited speaker uh, or very animated, they can tend to get loud. And you can set the threshold higher um, and then just change the ratio so that when they hit that part, you can turn them down you know, pretty extensively, but in the normal talking, uh, they're okay, which uh, is, that's how I typically do if they're a very excitable speaker. Um, I basically, you know, the normal talking voice, I keep that at the top level where I want it to be. And then I put the threshold there and I do some pretty heavy compression. And then when they go over, they get turned down a lot. Now the clarity goes away, but typically when they get loud like that, they aren't doing it for very long. Very, in fact, most time it's very short. Uh, and most people don't even notice, notice that, but you got to kind of play with it and listen to it. Um, and see how it goes. Now, if you're talking about a singer, um, I don't compress singers very much. Uh, I prefer that if somebody is all over the place uh, in a volume when they're singing different songs or different parts, like if they get most females when they get into a higher part, uh, their voice gets much louder and much stronger, um, is to teach them to pull the microphone away a little bit. And it's just teaching proper mic technique uh, for like a singer. So like I said, that last thing I just showed you was, uh, for internet broadcasters, it's, it's the, the gate and everything works exactly the same. Gate compressors work exactly the same, but you don't typically use a microphone like this, You're typically using a handheld and different type of person, or you have a lab for a speaker or, you know, headset mic, like a DPA headset mic, something like that. And, uh, you really have to figure out what you need. Um, we use compression, um, on most of our channels, in fact, there's some tricks you can do with drums. And I'm not going to go through that in this show to make a bass sound punchier, uh, and a snare as well by using some fast gates and compression, uh, and you compress things pretty heavy and it gets a nice thump out of the kick drum, uh, and you do a slow release so you don't get the, the ring. It just makes it feel like it's really punchy, uh, but things like that. I mean, and we'll maybe go through other shows in the future of things you can do to the instruments to make them sound differently using uh, gates and compression. Uh, at some point, we'll probably go through 
um, how to build a mix because there's a right way and a wrong way to build a mix. Uh, in in if you know the right way, uh, you can get your mix sounding good without much knowledge of really what you're doing. And when I think we sit down and we explain uh, some of the things you do in building the mix, it'll make a lot of sense and how you can cut things out of certain instruments so the vocals punch through, but you still have the instruments good. There's a bunch of tricks like that, and you just learn that through experience. Uh, and uh, other people as well showing you the tips and the tricks. So we will get into that kind of stuff ultimately with this. Um, this show is about all kinds of technology in in your church, not just sound. Uh, we've talked about internet stuff as well already and websites, and we want to cover it all, including going down video switching, which is like something we know a lot of video and sound and, and networking. That's our specialty. Uh, computer side, video, and uh audio broadcasting so we can you know, cover all that ourselves very very good um we'll talk about software uh you know we use uh different kinds of software we talked about cloud last week i mentioned some of the software that we use it's cloud-based uh last week and uh i don't know we're going to try to cover all that stuff and we'll get into more detail um and as we get questions we'll even focus more on a particular subject for a week uh we're not going to like say we're going to do um video for a month and then audio for a month we're going to mix it up a little bit every week something different we may even do in one week uh, uh a computer thing here for networking and the sound thing here so and it's going to be based on the type of questions we get in uh and things that i see are being talked about in other forums of people having issues with it as well so uh today is thursday august 8th and actually um i was at a willow creek association uh, leadership summit today actually was running sound at our church we are a host church for for that so um but that's why i'm it's getting a little late tonight i need to get up early tomorrow to go back and do that so uh, i'm gonna let everybody go um but definitely give us feedback send uh, email to churchtech at tech-zen.tv uh, and we'll get some uh we'll give you feedback and we do answer emails where i'm a little slow at answering them because i get so many of them uh but i'd love to i love getting feedback and i do answer them all uh, eventually and there is a new the new community go get in the community and say hi to everybody uh, we're just trying to get that started up now so that's good and you can go uh, to facebook at facebook.com slash tech zen tv uh, my name is mike myers i'm the host of this show and i'm going to try to get some other co-hosts in with me uh, to do this show with me and some guests as well so if you are big into church technology and you want to Come and chat with me. Uh, I'd love to have you on the show. Just send me a note also again at uh, churchtech at tech-n.tv and we'll try to get you scheduled uh, on the show. All right. I think that is it for this week. We will see you all next week at our regular time. For show notes for this show, contacts, and more, go to the techn.tv website where you can get show notes for all of our shows. We love to hear from our viewers and listeners. We have an email, a Twitter, and a phone number where you can contact us for each show. For details, visit the techzen.tv website and get the show details. You can also make a video and upload it somewhere like YouTube or Vimeo and then just send us a link. You never know, you may see your video in a future show. You can get all of our shows delivered automatically to your favorite device by going to your favorite podcast website like iTunes and subscribing. Each of our shows also has a YouTube channel you can subscribe to to get regular updates. Our shows are also available on most internet radio networks like Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. You can also watch and listen to our shows on Xbox, TiVo, and Roku. You can even find us on your Zoom.